new year and a new episode of SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. Winless in two games to start the year, but the Golden Knights are tops in the Pacific Division and tops in the Western Conference. 10-3-1 over the last month, and we sort through the last few games. Status of absent players, Logan Thompson's first NHL start, and what's going right, what's not, as Vegas continues an eight-game homestand. We'll chat through the NHL scheduling challenges, stories from around the league, and a look at upcoming opponents, featuring the return of Ryan Reeves and Gerard Gallant with the Rangers and Marc-Andre Fleury with the Blackhawks. It's SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. And now, here's Dave. All right, so when is it too late? What's the cutoff date to wish people a Happy New Year? Janu- I, I think it's it a week. A week? So January 5th as we record this. So we're still good to say Happy New Year to yeah, everybody. All right, good to know. Good to know. But if this, like next week, forget it. Once you no. get in the 8, 9, 10 of January. Know, still go through January. Then you're just wishing people an early Happy Valentine's Day. I think in the world we're in now, you can wish happy to anybody, whatever it is, at any time. Yep, they'll take any happiness they can get. It's probably the national day to celebrate something. Yes. It could be Chocolate Chip Cookie Day in America, for well, all I know. What were you telling me? Uh, Ukrainian, Ukrainian Christmas, Christmas is coming up January 7th. So, so we got that. Happy Ukrainian yeah. Christmas a couple days early. <laughs> to Shane and uh, all the family back there. That's and, right. Manitoba. So, all right, I am some guy named Dave, Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Dan Duva. Gary Lawless is, uh, he's from the home studios these days. He's been relegated there for a long time uh, because of COVID protocols, and I'm sure he's not happy about this, to say the least. Lawman, um, how's it working out for you? It's just great to see your smiley faces. <laughs> all the, all the text messages I've been getting from you, making fun of me and teasing me and Actually, Shane, you know, once in a while sends a nice one and asks how I'm doing. I do. Um, I sent you a couple of My only question is, and I just know this because, uh, you know, I have teenage kids. You can scroll down and check their phone usage. I would be curious Ooh. to see what Gary's phone usage sparks. Is. Just I bet you sparks coming out of the that. Out of Twitter scrolling, uh, I I what's the over under? I say twelve hours a day. Oh yeah, I, just I don't I don't have uh, fingerprint pads anymore on my fingers. Put it that way. <laughs> just raw skin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like sparks coming out of that thing. Well, lawman, I, I did finish Mark Messier's uh, book. No, uh, no one wins alone. And a memoir, very good book. I'll pass that along to one of you guys if you want it. Well, what's give me? All right, so now you got my attention. Give me a brief review. What you, what did you think? You know, it's really about uh, about leadership, and there's actually some interesting stuff in it where he kind of admits to having uh, too much of a single mindedness at certain points, and uh, he looks back at the trade when Jimmy Carson. When he was part of the Gretzky trade, when he got to Edmonton, he basically said, I don't want to be here. I, I don't want to be the guy that is supposed to be filling Wayne Gretzky's shoes. Get me out of here. And Messier was mad at him at the time, but then he realized later on what courage it took uh, Jimmy Carson to come up and say that to the whole group and uh, looks back on it in a, in a different way. So, uh, uh, you know, it goes back to his roots. He played he went from playing uh, tier two hockey to playing in the WHA. Like his dad arranged a five game tryout for him. And he went and uh, 
played a few games and then uh, that team let him go. And then he hooked up with another team and, uh, and that was it. He was a pro hockey player for the rest of his life. Pretty fascinating. He did okay. <laughs> it worked yeah. out all right. Just a pro Six cups will take care yeah. of it. Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah no question. Yeah. All right, so the lawman's in his home studio. We are in Studio 31 recording this on the 5th day of January and our first one of the new year. Uh, the Golden Knights and the Mitz guys have this lengthy homestand. It was going to be six games originally. Everything going on with COVID and especially north of the border. The Canadian teams are postponing games to try to get a better handle on being able to, uh, you know, get attendance in these games. They can't just play them in front of uh, minimized crowds as we've seen in the past. So, Shane, as we sit here now, Golden Knights are 1-1-1 one, one, and one on the homestand with still five games to go. But uh, what's kind of been your overall assessment of the homestand as of late and maybe where they're at as we close in on not quite the halfway point of the season? Yeah, it's interesting. I think you know, the assessment, and, and like all of us, you go from what your assessment may have been after the loss last night to, okay, this morning, they're 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Um, You know, last night, didn't like that game. Liked the game against Winnipeg. It got away from them, some mistakes defensively. I think some of that trickled into the game last night. I just think they got outworked last night. And, and Pete DeBoer kind of said that afterwards. He, he used the word outcompeted, and that's never a good uh, term to hear from your coach. Um, but that happens throughout a long season. I think and then as you sit back and realize, I'm like, well, didn't have either goalie. And Logan Thompson, by the way, was not an issue at all. I thought he was the best player for the Golden Knights in this game. But they're without their two goalies. They're without Mark Stone. They're without Max Pacioretty. They're out without Alec Martinez still. Um, so Nick this Hague. team this team is, yeah, you Nick know, I, I think we had you, Nick Haig. You have to take the expectations. Yes, it's a homestand. Yes, you want them to take advantage of it. But... This kind of goes back to earlier in the year when they needed to hold water till they get healthy. And, yes, there's still quality players. I think their record where they've gotten to at this point in the year, you have to be happy with. Now it's a matter of them learning from that loss uh, against the Predators because there was a lot in that game. Sometimes it's a good, you know, look in the mirror moment for this group to say, okay, we got to get back. There, there's certain areas that have been good because I liked a lot of their games before that. I think it kind of – you know, you could see some bad habits maybe trickle in after that first period against the Jets, and I think it carried over to Nashville. So they've got to get back on track. They've got to really utilize this home ice advantage. It's great to play in the fortress. They can feed off the energy. They fought back in this one. They made they made it a game and, and came very close to, to tying the Preds, but uh, they fell short, and they're going to need a much better effort going forward. That's the one thing you can always control, that effort standpoint. And It's not often we can say it throughout this season that it, the effort hasn't been there. I think it can be ramped up a lot. And they've got to play harder, more to the inside. And Jonathan Marshall's quote a few days ago probably said that they're too soft around the net, especially against good goalies, which UC Soros, Connor Hellebuck, the last two they've seen are. Dan, we talked about that uh, kind of off air, and then we mentioned it last night again with you know the Marshall quote of, you know they've got to be more determined to, to score goals at the other end of the. Now that being said, right, they scored four against Hellebuck. And lost in overtime. They scored four against, uh, they scored three against Vasilevsky, built a 3 1 lead, and lost. But I mean, Pete DeBoer said if you score four against Hellebuck, you should probably win. Um, but it was interesting. Marsha, so in two languages, he's usually pretty candid. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. It, the, the thing that stands out to me, and it's not just the last handful of games, it's really this season that historically the Golden Knights have been so solid defensively among the NHL leaders in goals against average. This year, the tables have been flipped. They're top four offense. They're scoring goals, and they made it 27 consecutive games 
with at least two goals. Franchise record. Longest such streak in the NHL right now with the two goals that they scored yesterday, though they they were close to getting shut out. Last time that they did not score at least two goals was when they got shut out in Toronto beginning of November. Anyway, they're scoring plenty. They're not getting a big stop. They're not shutting down the opposing teams in the way that we have seen them so often do in the past. How often did we see the Golden Knights give up just a goal or two and win a game three to two? Well, just maybe it's a, a, a trend throughout the NHL now that there's simply more offense. But uh, the reality is that the Golden Knights are giving up way more than they have um, at any point, really, in their first five seasons. And it's great to see all the offense. We could talk about how they've got to be stronger down the middle. But, I mean, what about at the other end? I mean, how how come the Knights are allowing as many goals as they are? Not just last game. Forsberg had a great day. How come overall they are allowing this to happen? And now it's been twice, the Tampa game and the Winnipeg game, where Vegas had a two-goal lead and gave it up. It's now happened three times this year that they've given up a two-goal lead and not secured a victory. Which was almost unheard of in their history. Exactly. You know, let alone uh, let alone just, you know, this season. Well, and let's not overlook, you know, personnel. Yeah. You got your best defensive forward in Mark Stone. And maybe the biggest piece that we haven't talked about enough because he's been out is Alec Martinez and how good he is to this team. And Steve Spott mentioned this yesterday. He said when he talked about the penalty kill issues, he said... Let's not overlook what Alec <laughs> Martinez brought to our penalty kill. So, you know, that's in it. Uh, but, you know, that's not an excuse. It's reality. They have to deal with it and they have to find a way. I agree with Dan and we'll let Gary kind of give his thoughts. But, yeah, they, I think defensively they need to strengthen a, a lot of their areas. Lawman, what have you seen on TV and heard on the radio over the last few games? Well, you know, I did want to make a comment about that. One of the things that has made this tolerable is uh, – how fantastic our shows are. Uh, you know, um, it is it, it is a real treat to listen to Dan and and to listen uh, to you guys. It's been, uh, uh, I've kind of flipped back and forth and, and paid attention in that regard. And the broadcasts are, uh, are exemplary uh, among the best in the NHL. And, um, and maybe that's just because I'm not on them right now. That's, um, that's, <laughs> well, that's good, that's, Gary. Um, Thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you later. Figure yeah. it out. So. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, Lawless and Order's never been better. It hasn't been lost on me. Uh, no, you know, w- w- listen, we all complained that they couldn't score last year in the playoffs. And we, we complained that they couldn't score in the playoffs two years ago. So they go out and they add offensive pieces. And... Uh, you know, I think that I'd rather have a team that could score and find a way to dial it back and, and teach them how to play a little defense than have a team that could just play defense and couldn't score. Uh, so I think that's the challenge for Pete DeBoer going forward as he mixes in his personnel. And let's face it, two, both of your goalies were out of the game last night and two of your top four D because Hag has become one of the top four and Martinez and your three best forwards, uh, or, or three of your four best forwards. However, you want to slice it, slice it when you take Patrick Stone and Eichel out of, out of the mix. So um, I think that there's going to be uh, – I don't think we're going to know what this team is and and what their true identity is for a while. And it, there, there's going to have to be some patience. Like last night, I, I was watching the game, and I find myself getting frustrated. And then I'm like, well – Look who's not in the lineup. 
how many teams could let's see how Edmonton does tonight when they uh, when they go without McDavid, Drysital, Nugent Hopkins, and Tyson Berry. I think somebody else they're missing somebody else as well. Like it, it, for Vegas to be where they are with what they've dealt with has is impressive. Uh, I just think it's an incomplete picture right now because of those injuries. And DeBoer's got some work ahead of him to figure out how all this goes together. And I will say this. uh, I thought, uh, I don't know how to say this without, uh, I I thought Thompson was really good last night. And I'm not sure the outcome would have been any different with, uh, with Leonard or Bersois in that with, with the receipts we've gotten from them of late. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and at the other end, Gary, they didn't, you know, they didn't do much at the other end until there's about eight minutes left and they scored a couple and made it close. But yeah, to Gary's point, I mean, in terms of where they are goals against now, it's not, you know, we'll just say it's team goals against, right? They are in, and it's a little skewed because they played more games than anybody. So, all right, fair enough. But they are right now, they've allowed the fourth most goals in the Western Conference. Team, the teams in the top five in terms of goals allowed this year, the other four, they're not going to make the playoffs. Seattle, Arizona, Chicago, then Vegas, and then San Jose. Those are your top five in terms of goals allowed so far this year. So, you know, kind of to Gary's point, and I think, Gary, you touched on this on one of the Lawless and Order uh, episodes. Their team goals against their team save percentage. You know, you'd like to maybe see some more timely saves here. Uh, you know, Thompson, I think, was was really good last night. But, um, you know, you look at some of the games they've lost. Uh, the Tampa game, they're up 3-1. The other night against Winnipeg, they're up 2-zip. Um, not to take anything away from the other teams, but, you know, they maybe you would like to see uh, another their, timely save or two. Their team goals against per game is 3.06. That's goals against per game. So it doesn't doesn't matter how many games you've played. That's the 15th. Um, that's 15th in the league. And their team save percentage is at 900 right now, which is 21st in the league. Those are not um, those are not the numbers we expect from Pete DeBoer teams. No, to say the least. And you know what I, I kind of think to a degree, guys? So we, we look and say, well, what did you expect last night? There's no Stone, there's no Pacioretty, there's no Martinez, there's no Haig, there's no goalies. They have become, to a certain extent, a victim of their own success this year. We just assume they're going to keep doing it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Because they've done it all year They're long. first place. With that, the and I was just going to say, yes. that's where, you know, we're, as we shoot holes in the team. <laughs> they, they've got a ton of room for improvement, and they're going to once they get healthy. If they get healthy, I guess it's more of an if. So, yeah, but, yeah, all this said, it isn't where they want to be defensively, save percentage, goals per game. They've outscored a lot of their issues. They're in first place. Yeah. And this is a team, uh, and I think Gary made a good point, defensively they can lock it up. That You know, Pete DeBoer will be able to work with this group, find areas, goaltenders will have to get better. I think they'll get better with, you know, when you bring in guys like Martinez and Haig back in the lineup and that strong top four, top six, uh, you bring Stone and, uh, you know, Patch Reddy and Jack Eichel at some point. It's it's a completely different animal. you know, not only do you, you'll be with the puck more, certainly when you bring those forwards into the game, so you're defending less. Uh, Martinez, you know, McNabb's done a great job blocking shots, but think of the block shots. You know, not you know, you think of saves, but Martinez's ability to block shots that that's like having another goaltender at times. You know, he blocking three, four key opportunities a game. So uh, there's a lot of things to certainly there's concerns, but 
I, uh, we haven't seen this team yet. I think they're, they're certainly they are going to improve. They're going to be better uh, as they get some more key pieces back in the lineup. The fact they're where they're at through all this crap yeah. is ridiculous. It really what do you think about it? Going into last night's game before Vegas lost and Anaheim won, Vegas had the largest division lead of any division leader in the NHL. Four points over the Ducks. Now it's trimmed to two. But And again, some of it is the circumstance of the Knights having played as many games as they have. But watch out. The, the Oilers we touched on before, all the guys who are out, but they still have won just two of their last 12 games. Two, eight, and two. At six points out of a possible 24, and now you add in those absent <laughs> players. We had something we showed last night on TV, Dan, where um, when they played, Edmonton came in here the Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend, beat the Golden Knights for the second time this year. They left here up six points on Vegas. And as of, I haven't looked today, uh, the Golden Knights, are they up seven? On, they're up seven on Edmonton. You're talking about a 13-point swing in six weeks where, you know, the Golden Knights have a great month of December. They go 10-3. and three. The Oilers are going the other way. Now Koskinen's mad at the coach. The coach is, you know, says we're, has something to say about Koskinen. They've got guys on the COVID list, guys that are out injured. Um, they're heading in the, in the wrong direction pretty quick. For the moment, they still have a wild card spot. They're right. a number two wild card. Minnesota's number one because you've got a super competitive central division. And Early on this year, we were talking about the divisions, right? And you're thinking, well, the Central's going to – going into the year, we were all – Central's going to have the extra two wild cards in the Pacific Division. It's just going to be the three clubs. Then the Pacific Division had an incredible start to the year. And uh, as Shane Knighty, as I recall, predicted, things would sort of come back to um, what we expected. Yeah. And they sort of have. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Anaheim, credit to them. Everybody's been waiting for, for that rug to be pulled out from underneath them. It doesn't seem to be happening. It happened to the Oilers, and I, I remember we all had concerns. I love the Oilers team, but goaltending, and it, it yeah. has hurt them. They oh. have, I think, what if they've allowed the first goal the most times this year? Yeah, it's just... It's- Smith was hurt again. Koskinen doesn't seem to, you know, have the answers. Koskinen had the quote. He said, uh, what did he say? You know, yeah, I need to make some more saves, but the team has scored seven goals in my last six starts. That's not ideal. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what you're looking for, to say the least. Well, I'll tell you this. After watching the Predators last night, I didn't really have them in that central conversation, but that team... They've added some pieces there that, you know, that Janot, the way he plays, he's physical, he's in your face, Trennan. Uh, you know, you've got the skill up front. Finally, Duchesne and Johansson woke up. Uh, they look like players they used to be. Philip Forsberg's elite. Uh, you know, Yossi's elite. Saros has been elite. Uh, they're they're going to be dangerous. St. Louis looks terrific. Uh, you know, they're getting... They've been playing well at Braden Shen, who's going to come back in the lineup. So, yeah, the Central's got a lot of dangerous teams. The Wild have kind of fallen back a bit. Uh, you know, Winnipeg's got some skill up front, good goaltending. I don't know if they're good enough, uh, you know, on the back end, but uh, the Central's going to be tough. Did the you Sheriff- mention Colorado, Shane? Oh, yeah. Well, they're going to – they're They've got how many? They've got 20 games in hand? <laughs> They've only played, yeah. I think, eight games this year. Yeah. So I, I wanted to have, kind of have a little Vegas discussion. Vegas 36 uh, now. On, on – on Makar's goal last night because, um, you know, we watched the, the Zegers Milano goal and, uh, you know, we all kind of found it was interesting, but didn't think it was, you know, I don't want to say it's not hockey, but it's, uh, there are better plays to make in that situation. And if you're defended properly, that, that, that play is hard to make what Makar did last night. That to me is the real kind of, the skill that we're seeing 
from younger players. He, he totally, uh, you know, puts a great move on Kirby doc. And then he, he dangles flurry. Uh, it was, uh, that's one of the best goals I've seen in a long, long time. Well, and he made that move in a small space at full speed. Yeah. It's just, you know, the guy, and I told Dave, I think we were on driving home after the game. I said, I think he's going to go on a Lindstrom type run here with the Norris trophies. Because uh, he, you know, as good as Adam Fox and Hedman and Yossi and Petrangelo, he has an offensive ability that's just uh, above everybody else. And uh, he, he is a special, special player. It's pretty interesting when you look at it, too, guys, just, you know, to, to put some numbers to what Colorado's gone through here. They had seven games postponed, right? So they've only played 29. It's the fewest in the league. They're already in uh, the third spot in the Central. So they played, the Golden Knights have played now 36 games. Colorado has seven games in hand on Vegas, and they're only five points back. So that's with a lot of season left. And, you know, who knows how they're going to make these up, when they're going to make them up, and all the rest. But, um, and I think that's something I'd be curious to see. So Vegas is going to make up four, right? You have the L.A. game and the Colorado game, speaking of Colorado here, and then Calgary and Edmonton. Um, you wonder what the schedule is going to look like. You know, this Olympic break, well, it's not going to be a break. We're not going to – Shane and I had plans. We're going to go to Cabo for two weeks. That's not <laughs> – well, not really, but that's not going to happen, right? They're going to use some of that time as much as they can to make up these games. You wonder what the whole second half of the season might look like from a schedule. And it's an interesting, interesting point to bring up and question is – I think it's going to be advantageous for those teams that have less teams or less games to make up because that you're talking about a really compacted schedule. I think they're going to throw games in there and there's going to be teams. Yeah, it's great for Colorado that they have all these games in hand. You still got to win them. And how are they going to be thrown together? And, uh, you know, yeah. Gary might have a better insight of how that schedule will look. Yeah. And Gary, I'd be interested what you think about this. In my mind, if I'm the NHL, I would want to get as many of these postponed games on the schedule as soon as possible because you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't want to say, oh, well, there's three weeks in February. Let's just wait until then. For example, the four Golden Knights games. You look at L.A. and Colorado. Why not try to get those two games in the spots where Vegas would have played Edmonton and Calgary? Uh, th- that's my thinking, but is that the way the NHL might think, Gary? Do you have any thought on well, that? Well, I think what they're trying to do right now is play the games that are right in front of them, okay? So, uh, like, getting out of uh, – having the games that are on the schedule right now, keep – still play those. If you can sprinkle in a postponed game or two in that portion of the schedule, great, but – that the big thing is to getting back on track first and not have to, and to be able to sort of uh, stop postponing games. And then I, I think that they've right now, they are at a spot right now where if they don't have to postpone very many more games, they've got a feasible schedule that eliminates that, that gets them caught back up in February and gets them to uh, gets them to 82 at the, at the plan finish line. So Right now, they're 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 in a uh, they're, things are hanging in the balance. If they get too many more postponements in the next couple of weeks, then they're going to have to start to look at, uh, at at other answers. But right now, as everything sits, they can they can backfill in February and solve their issues. But uh, what they really are focusing on right now is trying to play every game that they can that's on the schedule. To that end. 
Uh, Elliot Friedman had a report yesterday that some of uh, the Canadian teams that like the other issue is it's not COVID it's economic. Yeah. Uh, the Canadian teams don't want to play in front of, in front of no fans. They've, they've all, everybody's already done enough bleeding financially. Um, Sask- Saskatchewan is open for business. They are not, uh, they do not have um, capacity restrictions and they've got that arena in Saskatoon that sits 15,000 people. Uh, apparently there's some, some tire kicking about, you know, instead of playing an empty game in one of those Western Canadian arenas, they would move it to there. Uh, it would be a home game for whichever team uh, went there and the team that they were facing would travel to, the, to, to Saskatoon rather than to the Western Canadian city, the other Western Canadian city, and they would sell tickets there. So, uh, I, you know, I've heard North Dakota, I've heard all kinds of stuff in the last little while about how they can get some of those games played because uh, on top of, you know, having a lack of players, not having fans in the stands is a major issue for ownership in some of these, uh, some of these Canadian cities. Oh yeah. They got killed last year, right? You yeah. couldn't, they didn't play, yeah. didn't have any fans until yeah. it, real late and playoffs a little yeah. bit, but even that was, it's interesting you say that Gary, my mind flashed back to remember, but when they were trying to figure out how to come out of the pause and it was, you go to North Dakota and Saskatoon yeah. and I think Florida, Florida was on that list. And it, it's amazing that we're going to be, you know, we're almost two years into all this junk. And it, at the very least it's good leverage if sure. you're the Winnipeg Jets and you say to whether it's Manitoba or the city of Winnipeg, whoever is has the last call there, hey, this is what we're going to do. Do you really want us to do that? Yeah. I mean, you can imagine the sort of pressure that the NHL is putting on, whether it's the Canadian government or the pro- provincial governments and so on. There, there's got to be, um, you know, some eye opening there because as businesses. And they're saying, look, look what's going on. America's doing this. We, we've got to get with the program. Yeah, the Golden Knights aren't scheduled right now anyways to go back to Canada with the, with the games postponed here um, this month until March. Uh, March. Yeah, with Winnipeg, right, Shane? Twice in a week? Correct. Uh, go to Winnipeg, and uh, the Shane Parade is in one of those. Uh, <laughs> what, one about of those Gary? what about Gary Parade? Gary, well, but you're, you're legitimately from Manitoba. Gary's just kind of lived there for, what, two or three years. Um, you, you would think that some of those trips would get eliminated in February. You know, yeah. like right now, yeah. uh, how many games has Vegas postponed? Four. Three? Four. 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 Two home and the two in Calgary, Edmonton. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and who are the home games against? Colorado, Los Angeles. Yeah, so the L.A. game is easy to fix, right? That's a... Uh, you know, that's an easier one to because of their proximity. You know, you can knock that one off a little bit easier. Getting up to Canada for those two games, th- those are problematic. And uh, you can bet that Edmonton, Edmonton and Calgary aren't interested in having the Vegas Golden Knights come to an empty arena because the Golden Knights are such a big draw. That's the other thing. The, it, the young fans... Uh, love to go to see Golden Knights games uh, in Canada and all around the NHL. So uh, it's not like the Montreal Canadiens or Toronto Maple Leafs coming to another Canadian city, but it's a, it's, it's a big deal to have the Golden Knights come to your arena. You sell tickets. And I wonder, Gary, because I was thinking about this, you bring up how to squeeze these other games in. Colorado is an opponent for the Golden Knights right after the February formerly Olympic break. 
might yeah. you just make though that a you know a two game set basically yeah. then i start yeah. to think about okay knights are going to edmonton going to calgary later in the year I, I don't know what the schedule might be you could kind of reconstitute things do you try to go and play two games at edmonton or trying to go yeah. and play two games in calgary because i thought it worked rather well last year when the knights would go to minnesota play two dallas play two or not dallas but uh, st louis and so on and so on well there's an office in new york city steve has a patros and uh, he probably has, you know, there's probably in excess of 10 major schedule matrixes. Uh, say, say that three times fast. Uh, <laughs> say up, up, Patros again. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All up on his office wall. Right. You know, yeah. and, and it's not just as simple as old as this work, No, you know, building. then you got to get on the phone with, uh, with the operator, with the, the team and say, does this work for you guys? Well, the ticketing group says that works, but the GM doesn't like the way that affects their competitive balance. Like it's it, at some point in time, the NHL just says, you know, they will have to say, this is the way it's going to be, but they take input from everywhere. Uh, it's uh, I hope that guy, he doesn't have time to journal. I hope someone is journaling for him right now because what he's going through is uh, certainly a book documentary film coming soon yeah. to a show yeah. near you. Yeah. yeah. Imagine having that job. No. Under normal circumstances. No. Throw in all this this mess and uh forget it. You know, it's not not fun. And just real quick, just to uh, I looked at Calgary Edmonton when the Knights go there later in the season. It's April. They play there on Thursday in Calgary the 14th. And then two days later they're in Edmonton on the 16th. In other words, that whole plan I was talking about where you play them twice well, you can't play no. four games in four days, so that's not going to no. work because then they come back home and play the Devils and Caps, so there's not an extra day in there to try to squeeze in one of those games. As it is right now, the Golden Knights uh, scheduled end a regular season April 29th in St. Louis, so we'll see yeah. whether that gets pushed into the month of May or not. The Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast brought to you by the great folks at Finley Automotive, Finley Jag, Chevy, uh, and Acura, the Golden Knights in the midst of this homestand, guys, and... Um, Special week, right? You look at uh, earlier in the week, you had Nate Schmidt and Paul Stastny come back. And now as we sit on the eve of Gerard Gallant and Ryan Reeves returning with the New York Rangers and uh, the goalie there for the Blackhawks. What's uh, his name? Uh, yeah, the, the Marc-Andre Fleury coming here on Saturday. Um, it's pretty interesting that, you know, now you're in the year five of this franchise and, you know, guys are coming back that were traded. There's tribute videos to these guys. It used to be the other way around. It used to be, yeah, you'd go, they would go wherever, you know. Yeah, we were seeing tribute videos Mark Andre Fleury go back to Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so uh, it's pretty good stuff, Shane, and I know you're you're a very sentimental guy. <laughs> See, yeah, I know. <laughs> By the look on your face, yeah. you're like, oh, the kid. Right, this to me, it's another game, up. but yeah, I know I'm uh, a tin lar- man. large min- minority on this. I'm just immune to it because of you know my past and moving and being in that situation but yeah it's a big deal for the organization when you look at the you know the key pieces that have come certainly that have and the ones coming in ryan reeves gerard gallant and then of course mark andre Fleury and what he meant to this organization um so yeah it's exciting for the fans for you guys to talk about and i'll talk about it but uh, for the for the tin man with no heart is not so i'm much. more focused on the game if i'm the knights i'm like well let's I, run these guys out of town well yeah. there's a thought that maybe we just don't mention it <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that, I understand that's doing disservice to the fans okay. because this is for them. Oh, all right. right. Okay. And, but I'll and, let you guys talk about it. All right. You could just stand there. Well, I think part of what's going on here is, at least as it relates to the Rangers, that the Knights just saw them at MSG a couple yeah. weeks ago and 
New York has the number one record in the National Hockey League. Yeah. They got the tiebreaker over Washington. And that in and of itself is a storyline. Forget who the coach or the, the you know fourth line winger might be. It's about playing one of the best teams in the NHL, at least as it relates to Thursday. And can you get two wins against them in uh, the span of a couple of weeks? Lawman, if you were in your old job as a columnist, you'd have columns coming out your ears with this these storylines uh, yeah. this week. Yeah, there's a few here. Um, I'm a shame. Uh, you know, last time I checked, uh, Mark Andre Fleury was getting paid seven million bucks to play hockey this year. So, like the whole, the obviously had a big impact on the organization and is a really important player. But you know. It's pro sport. You get paid yes. to play, and and uh, that's getting traded and moving around. That's part of the business. It just it it just is. Uh, teams are general managers are hired to win. They're in the winning business, and they do what they think is best for their organization. And uh, that's uh, I, I think it'd be really fun to see Flower. Uh, I hope he plays great and and loses. Um, and, uh, and the same with Turk, uh, you know, I, I, I am, I actually will enjoy that moment, uh, when they, when they, you know, introduce Gerard on the, on the Rangers bench. I think he's a pretty special guy, flower too, and Reeves, but, uh, I, we got to know Turk in a little yeah. bit of a different way. And we, we know what a special person he is and how much he loved it here. So, uh, um, and I, I'm, I'm happy for him that uh, him and Mike Kelly, that they've had the success that they've had so far in New York. It, it, uh, it does, you know, George, good coach. He, he has impact. Like he's taken that team and gotten them to play in his image and, uh, and, and they're going well, that's all great. Um, I hope he leaves Vegas with, uh, I hope he puts some money into a slot and wins it, but I hope he doesn't <laughs> have two points when he leaves town. And, and you know, Gary, the point you make is right on. The players, the coaches, they have human relationships with their former teammates, former coaches. We have a certain professional relationship with them as well. These moments are for the fans. It's yeah. for the fans to have the opportunity to show their appreciation for yeah. what a human being did for this franchise and for this city. That's what it's about. So, yeah, I mean, we're... We're kind of, as Shane said, exactly right. We've been in this for a while. This is for the fans to have the opportunity to give a standing ovation to some some people who are very, very important to them. That's what it's about. So it'll be fun I to can see guarantee that you. I can guarantee you that Flurry, Reeves, and Gallant all want to win the game more than anything else. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just you know, like oh, when, when, I, went, yeah. when Flurry went to Pittsburgh and so on and so yeah. on. Yep. Yeah. I'll tell you what was kind of, you know, we had a chance after the game in Madison Square Garden to spend a couple minutes with, with Gerard Gallant. It was pretty good. Yeah. To be able, you know, with all, everything with COVID, we hadn't seen him physically in almost two years, like in person. So just to be able to spend a couple of minutes with him uh, was terrific. But you think about the impact he had, the impact that Fleury had, and even Ryan Reeves in a, in a different and role. And Mike Kelly. And, Mike, and yeah. Mike Kelly. Yeah, him and, and Turk just been attached to the hip here for so long. But uh, the impact they've had uh, on this organization, um, you know, for, through the first uh, bunch of years was pretty pretty impressive, to say the least. Well, yeah, and it's you know hard to think of all the big moments, you know, Fleury oh. had, Gallant, uh, what he's been able to do but man, the biggest moment probably came from ryan reeves 
Yeah. Yeah. Scored the game winning yeah. goal in the Western Conference. Yeah. Go to the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Cup. Yeah. That's true, too. Yeah. First one, right? First one with the Golden first, Knights. Yeah. First yeah. Series clincher in Winnipeg, of all places. Lawman, uh, we're going to take a quick trip around the NHL. Uh, before we do that, well, yeah, let's kind of throw this all in the same pot. What are you hearing about Jack Eichel? When's he here? I need dates. And when's he going to play? What do you got? <laughs> um, well, Kelly McCrimmon said uh, on the broadcast the other night that he expects him to be in in Vegas uh, sometime in January. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next 14 days we saw uh, – I'll give – that's a pretty big cushion. That's a big but, window. Uh, Come on, on now. Um, are we going to uh, see you in the next 14 days? Yeah, that's uh, – I'll be quite crossed. honest with you. That's bigger question for me. <laughs> the Jack <Eichel> one. <laughs> what about me? Yes, uh, there's some people in this house that would like to see the see my backside uh, sliding down the driveway. Yeah, um, I can understand that. Sure. Yeah, I think the next couple of weeks we'll see Jack, and then uh, really the important thing then is uh, and Shane, I'm interested if you've ever been through this when you have like that kind of a special package. How do you reinstitute contact? Like, does slowly like, does like yeah? But They'll be cautious. Somebody give him a little nudge here, or how is that? Is it done just with him and one other guy on the ice? How does that happen? Well, I think, and again, this is just my opinion. I have no clue what's going on, but you know, I'm surprised it's taking this long to get to Vegas because I think, and you know, from what we the brief conversations we had with Jack Eichel he's a competitive competitive motivated elite athlete right now and I don't think he's going to come back here as someone and say oh I'm just going to step on the ice and take this slow I think he's waiting to come back when he's like all right I'm ready to go let's start introducing what we can and that's all going to be directed by the medical personnel the hockey operations staff They'll have long conversations about okay what can we implement today but I think that's why I th- thought he would have been here earlier just to get to know your well, team, be around yeah. the guys. I think he's the type of guy that says, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm doing everything I can. When I come there, I'm not just going to dip my toe in the water. I want to come out and do as much as I can and start to implement everything I can in practice. Well, the other, other factor is, the other factor is I don't, I don't think they want him to come in here and get COVID like, and have uh, like bring him into the room and then have, you know, be exposed to all these other people. I think they want to get him as far as they can uh, in kind of the bubble that he's been working in uh, before uh, exposing him to what, uh, whatever else is exposed to on a daily basis. Gary, in turn, and there's no way to get around this, um, the salary cap situation, what would they have to do? What do you think they'd have to free up money wise to make the math work when they bring Eichel in here? It's around five point five million if everybody's uh, if everybody's running if everybody's healthy you know they'll have to waive some guys at the like you know if you're gonna bring in okay you're gonna bring back Martinez Eichel Pacioretty and Stone those four guys <laughs> it's a little bit of money so so, so right now they're at twenty three con- they have twenty three players on the roster so you know four guys have to go right off the bat so there's a couple million bucks. That that naturally go with that, but then Eichel's ten million gets uh, gets popped back in there, and uh, and all of a sudden you're you're over. So um, if everybody's healthy, uh, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to make a trade. It's as simple as that. They'll have to they'll have to make uh, 
they'll have to do some surgery to the roster. If somebody gets somebody else jumps on LTIR, it all changes. And I think that they're, you know, Lou Amarillo, uh, if you have time to make a decision, you use it. I don't think Kelly McCrimmon is going to wake up tomorrow and go, oh, I need room for Eichel. I better make a trade. He's going to wait until he needs, until he actually needs the room. And uh, I'm sure they have a whole bunch of plans and a bunch of different possibilities, things that, that they could do. Uh, I'm sure that they've gotten creative as well. You know, they're probably looking up at Seattle and all the cap space that they have up there. How could they access uh, some of that? You know, uh, there's, it'll, it'll be fascinating to see what they do because this organization is as a, as aggressive, we witnessed it. They're as aggressive as anybody else in trying to have the best players on the ice uh, at, at, at all times. And that's what they will try and accomplish. And my follow-up to that, Gary, and, and maybe a question best posed towards Shane, the guys know the situation. It's got to be an audition to some degree. Hey, I don't yeah. want to be one of the guys that gets placed on waivers or traded away. Is that something that a player can can you should? Like, I mean, how does that how does that work? Absolutely. If you're a player, you know, and you're around that mark, and I'm, you know, we, I don't need to name names. We can list three or four right now, right around that five to six mark on the Golden Knights roster. That hey, let, let's perform here, and you can't let it be a detriment to your game. You've got to be able to rise to the occasion. I think that's a great point, Dan. That yeah, as a player, you want to prove your worth. And it should be, you know, I don't know if it's an audition period, but it's certainly a period of time where you want to just prove to this management, to this coaching staff, to this team, how valuable you are and that, hey, I, you know, look elsewhere. But uh, at the same time, players, you know, you really do have that mentality of living in the moment. You don't want to look too far ahead because that can affect your game. You don't want to have too many things either than focusing on what you need to do in the game you're in or the, the day you're practicing or whatever. It's the day-by-day mentality. And I think the majority of those guys will have it. But, you know, I think as it gets closer, and, and, and some of that might come into effect when Jack Eichel comes here because that's kind of the, the first step into reality. This You know, this trade happened a long time ago. He hasn't been around. When he's back, it's the reality sits in. So, uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. Uh, you know, and the big question, as Gary said, if, if they're healthy. Right. And that's a huge yeah. if, the way yeah. it's gone the for this team this year. The way it's gone this year, year like, yeah. Oh, boy. Right now, just rough math, they have $33 million out on injured reserve. Oof. So you've got Stone, pa- Stone Patch Ready and Hague are on IR right now. Uh, just over $17 million. Long-term IR, Eichel, Martinez, and, and Jake Bischoff uh, in that mix. So almost $16 million. Ooh, How much does Bischoff make? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Nick Hague's going to be due for a raise. Yeah. He's still on his oh, I was yeah. just looking at that. But uh, right. $33 million. On the sidelines, uh, which is uh, it's it's amazing. Um, More than a third of the salary. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it's nuts. Lawman, anything else as we take a look around the league that kind of you know piques your interest here? You said I know the fingers and thumbs have been flying for you on the twitters here during your uh, during your lengthy time at home. Anything uh, piquing your interest? Edmonton, um, yeah. and uh, you know it's amazing. Connor McDavid's in his seventh year in the NHL. They can't miss the playoffs. And uh, Ken Holland has never fired a coach in season. It's not what he does. Um, Mike Babcock famously commented uh, a few years ago when he was still coaching in Toronto and they came in and they beat the Oilers. And he was like, well, you can't play that guy 23 minutes a night 
referring to McDavid and expect it to ha- him to have good pop. And here we are uh, all these years later, and it's the same situation. They have, they have not solved their roster construction issues. They don't have goaltending. And uh, I think Dave Tippett's a great coach. Uh, putting the blame on him, I think, is uh, – I think that's tough to do. But, I, you know, Babcock is out there. And uh, could they sell Mike Babcock in Edmonton? I think they could. Um, the name I keep hearing also is uh, uh, Chris Knobloch, the guy that coached him in uh, uh, the coach McDavid in junior. He, he he's the, I think he's the head coach for Hartford in the American Hockey League. So uh, uh, it, it, it'll be fascinating to see what what uh, what Ken Holland does there, and if he uh, uh, if he you know holds firm. Uh, I just think that's the. That is the, the the hottest spot in the National Hockey League right now. You look at it, Gary. To your point with McDavid, and this isn't this is just in his time. Not putting this on him, but they have won one series, and that was against San Jose back in 2017. That's their only series win in 15 years. You go back to the 06 final when they lost to uh, to Carolina. Now that after Carolina, they missed the playoffs 10 years in a row. Yeah, and then got back in in, in 17. Um, you know, there's people around the Oilers that would tell you they had that uh, second round, they had the big lead, third period game five against Anaheim. I think they were up 3 nothing in the game, lost it, lose the series in seven. Two DNQs in a row, qualifying round and out against Chicago in 20 when the Golden Knights ended up playing uh, the Hawks. First round swept by Winnipeg last year. If you're, the, if you're an Oilers fan, I would imagine your patience isn't thin. It was, it, it was gone a long, long time ago. And after... We looked at it yesterday. They were 15 and 5 when they left here on Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend. And it has gone right and down. It doesn't the look like it's getting better soon with the, with the guys they got out of the lineup. Yeah. Man, they were first in the conference. They dropped to eighth in that period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So, well, law man, this has been a real treat having you on the Zooms here on the, on the <laughs> podcast. This is great. So, hopefully, we'll see. Fingers crossed, legs crossed, cross whatever you can. We'll see you back in here in, in person here soon. Uh, you know, maybe even by the end of the week. That would be terrific. Yeah. The frustrating part is I have uh, no symptoms. I'm in. Uh, I'm in good form, but uh, uh, obviously, I think the NHL has done a a real good job with uh, with their testing and keeping people safe. So, uh, my uh, faith is in uh, the medical department, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, I test out um, tomorrow morning, and uh, I'm on the broadcast on Thursday night. Yeah, let's roll out some negative tests. That'll be great for all of us. Yeah, there you uh, go. Roll out some eggs. That'd be fun. Roll out some eggs. All right, that'll do it for us. Happy New Year once again, everyone. The Sheriff Lawless Some Guy Named Day podcast coming to you from our studios in downtown Summerlin. And Gary, of course, wishing him the best to return from his home studio as well here in the very near future. We'll talk to you next time.